0: Here's our series on aging in Portland, retired or rewired, what it's like getting old in a youth-centered city. Are you up for that challenge? We'll bring you lots of views, but you'll have to answer this question for yourself. Is Portland a good place in which to grow old? This is the third KBOO series on what it's like to age in Portland. We call it retired or rewired. Today we get a medical overview of the aging process from Dr. Mark Williams of Wilmington, North Carolina. Dr. Williams is board certified in geriatric medicine and internal medicine. He's the author of a popular book on aging, The Art and Science of Aging Well, A Physician's Guide to a Healthy Body, Mind, and Spirit. While working in clinical practice in Wilmington, North Carolina, he also serves as clinical professor of medicine University of North Carolina. And he's a professor emeritus at the University of Virginia. Dr. Williams, welcome to Kebu.
1: Thank you so much, I'm glad to be with you.
0: Here's a general question I like to ask people. Uh, what does it mean to be old? What's, uh, what's an age of being old? When do you get to be old?
1: Well, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, if you're an Olympic caliber athlete, you may be too old to compete when you're beyond the age of 21. Depending on your sport, such as floor exercises, professional athletes may consider themselves too old to compete when they turn 35 or 40. But I think in a practical sense, we think about aging when we're 75 and above, when the path of time really begins to influence how we think about things.
0: I didn't feel old when AARP offered me a membership at age 50. Uh, (laughs) Doctor, you work in a clinic, You're not only a writer, uh, an author, a thinker, but you work daily in a clinic, and you deal with aging patients every day. Let's start with this. What are the successful strategies that you see in the people you work with? Well, you know,
1: I've gotten two bits of advice from my patients, and I generally ask my patients who are over age 90 what their secret is to longevity. An old farmer gave me a bit of wisdom. He said, I don't have a secret But I'll tell you this, I worked us up a good sweat every day. So I think by staying active and not being sedentary, that's one very important piece of advice. The other has to do with attitude. Um, And again, a fellow came in always in a good mood, happy, positive, refreshing to interact with. And I asked him, what's what's your secret? Why are you so happy, and he looked me right in the eye, and he said, I know there's only one center of the universe, and I'm not it.
0: Uh, Conversely, Doctor, what are some of the habits or patterns that you see in people who are aging badly or unhappily?
1: I think the big thing is trying to overly control things in our lives. I believe that anger held inside is a very powerful aging accelerator. And I think we're sometimes in our society confronted with hostile myths and stereotypes about aging. And so if we buy into those, then we end up with a race against the clock and we end up feeling like we're not measuring up or that we need to do something to control our aging rather than to relax and celebrate uh, the time that we have.
0: Uh, Speaking of myths, I read and enjoyed your book, and you have a section there on eight aging myths that you don't have to fall for, and there are a few that I felt I have fallen for, and I'd like to hear your reaction. Number, myth number sure. two, losing weight will extend your life. That's a myth?
1: That's a big myth, yes. In fact, uh, dieting may be hazardous to your health, believe it or not. And there are a number of epidemiological studies that show that. It's probably, uh, and I'm not saying people need to go out and gain weight, but I think that when you look at the actuarial curves, probably the healthiest place to be is about 10 to 15 pounds overweight. And that's not to say that people have to gain weight if they're already trim and at their ideal body weight. But just looking at the data suggests that being slightly overweight is beneficial. And it's important not to severely diet because people who are losing weight end up having an increased mort- uh, mortality rate.
0: Right. I, I so can... people,
1: if you look at the curves of body mass index, which is basically a measure of half, which has to do with your height and your weight, But if you look at your body mass index and mortality, you can see that that curve is a very broad, shallow U. So at the extremes, if people are morbidly obese, they're clearly going to shorten their lifetime. And if they're very, very thin, they're going to shorten their uh, lifespan as well. So being in the middle is safe and healthy.
0: All right. I'm going to have a little more dessert tonight, I think. Myth number four, learning and creativity decline As we age, this made me think, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You say that's a myth. Why? That's correct. There's
1: absolutely no upper age limit to uh, creativity. And there are numerous examples that we can find uh, from painters, from authors, from politicians, poets, that shows that creativity continues throughout life. Moreover, we may think that we can't think as sharply as we're older compared to when we're young, but that's uh, also a myth. I believe that our aging brains change, but our creativity changes because we allow our thinking to atrophy, not because it's wired into our system to deteriorate and decline. I do have to say that there's some diseases such as dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and others that occur in old age but those are diseases those are not normal aging
0: i would say this i i work in a creative field with creative people and my number one problem is not matching creativity as much as it is learning software (laughs) Uh i'm constantly faced with a new software and it just drives me nuts okay let's go on number myth number eight Growing yes. old means living in an institution in a state of dependency. It seems like I've seen a lot of people head in that direction and end up in those places, and I want to avoid that, and I hope that's a myth, that they have to be end up that way.
1: Oh, that is a myth. Less than 5% of people over age 65 live in an institutional setting. I think that the social context of aging, really is a resonance between the individual and the group so that we tend to not appreciate how many older people are all around us every day. We tend to fall into a trap of a production line mentality where we think, as long as I'm working and on the production line, I'm positive and helping society. But as soon as I step off that production line, I'm a drain or a drag. And that's just not the case at all. If we start thinking about what is the equivalent, what is the value, the productivity value of being a grandparent, of providing uh, role modeling for young people and young, young people. And I would also say that our society is not the first that's been preoccupied with rejuvenation as a solution to aging. I mean, we have a very youth-oriented society. One of the oldest documents that we have is called the Sir Edwin Smith Surgical Papyrus. And on this papyrus, it dates back to about 2500 B.C. And in this papyrus, one of the earliest pieces of written material that we have, there's a book. And that book is called How to Turn an Old Man into a Youth." And in it is basically a skin cream for reducing facial wrinkles. So going back into ancient Egypt, people have worried about aging and dealing with it. And in it is a skin cream to turn back the clock so we will appear to look younger.
0: I brought up three of the myths. I would say all eight oh, that you raise are very interesting. And there are others we could oh, talk yeah. about at length. Let's talk about men and women. Are there differences in the way men and women age
1: You know, it's very interesting from a biologic standpoint, the female of the species, whether we're talking plants or animals uh, or humans, the female outlives the male. And the reasons for this are complex, but they may deal with the fact that estrogens are protective. It may have to do with the male tendency to take more risk to live a harder lifestyle to smoke more cigarettes, to drink more alcohol, to take more risks at work, to be exposed to more hazardous materials. Women as an oversimplification tend to be more conscious of their bodies and tend to take advantage of more preventive care. Men tend to press the limit.
0: So the differences but, uh, are are not biological, they're they're more lifestyle and and psychological, is that right?
1: That's right, and also social in the sense that our society tends to look at older women in a very different way. And I think things are changing, and I celebrate those changes. But I think the stereotype of male aging with a few wrinkles and gray hair, the kind of airline pilot, the kind of stereotype, um, the male airline pilot, uh, that aging tends to be socially acceptable. Whereas for women, we tend to have a shorter, I mean, women tend to race against the clock so that there's ways to improve figure, ways to change hair color, ways to uh, change skin wrinkles. And every day on TV, I see all these anti-aging products that people can try to try to turn back the clock rather than to celebrate the natural beauty that comes through men and women with the passage of time.
0: Our listeners will appreciate that point. Uh, You have a chapter on food in your book, Doctor. How important is food and diet in the aging process?
1: Oh, I think uh, food and diet is critically important. Uh, We need to eat a variety of foods in moderation. So I think that uh, by, uh, again, not aggressively dieting and by eating uh, fresh vegetables, fruits, uh, nuts, whole grains, uh, and having a lot of color to our palate uh, in terms of things that are bright and colorful, Mm -hmm. reds, greens, yellows, blues, I think really the importance is variety and not just one thing.
0: We've eaten a lot of french fries by the time we're uh, 75. Is it too late to have diet make a difference, or uh, are we just done?
1: No, fixed. I don't think we're ever done. I think we have a lot of choice. One of the real lessons about aging is that we have a lot of choice in terms of what type of old age we'll have, and again, do we want to just leave our aging to the winds of fate, or is there something we can do? And, I do think that eating a healthy diet, it's never too early to start and to stay physically active, walk at least 30 minutes every day or engage in regular exercise. And we're doing a number of good things for ourselves when this happens.
0: Okay, speaking of the winds of fate, uh, how do we improve memory? You talk about memory at length. Everyone's Mm -hmm. concerned with it. How do we at least retain what we have as we age?
1: I think the key there is to break our daily habits. Habits poison our mental capacity because we use the templates to solve our daily problems over and over. In fact, the smarter we are and the more successful we are, the more we tend to build a comfortable cocoon around ourselves that spares us the need to adapt or to improvise. And so our memories tend to atrophy over time. Uh, So if we break our daily routines, one day a week, try brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand. Try uh, new things. uh, Eat new foods. Uh, If you uh, are a musician, try playing a different musical instrument. If you play classical music on the piano, try learning some jazz or some rock. Um, but doing new things, learn a foreign language uh all of this stimulates our uh intellect uh if you you know when was the last time someone tried to memorize a poem so go back into childhood and memorize a poem, memorize a piece of scripture, memorize uh something that 's interesting to you. All of those things help us stimulate our intellect
0: you, you have you have some specific- suggestions for sharpening your mind. Uh, and you just talked about a couple of them. Uh, use your non-dominant hand. Um, yeah. Ex- create new experiences. Learn something new. Uh, there's a couple I wanted to mention. Laugh and play. How yeah. do you cultivate laugh and play?
1: Well, the most important thing is to maintain a light touch, uh, a sense of humor, uh, to... Uh, increase our social interactions to literally, uh, play with other people. Uh, computer games might be something that seems counterintuitive, but can help people maintain a sense of social engagement. Um, but it's, you know, again, if people try doing crossword puzzles and Sudoku every day, eventually that will become a habit. So it's just important to have uh, something fresh and, uh, uh, cultivate these new experiences. Do something you've never done before.
0: Travel, uh, Doctor. You talk about uh, this fascinated me. You talk about managing your emotions as you yeah. age. I had more trouble yeah. managing my emotions when I was younger. I, they seem to be more manageable now. Not that they're more that they're better or more constructive. But why is it important to manage your emotions as you age? What tool and what tools do you suggest we use to do that? Well,
1: I think that first off, aging is no refuge from an empty life. So by managing our emotions, I think a real powerful aging accelerator is keeping in negative emotions. It's kind of like if you keep negative emotions inside, anger, fear, grief, and you never give them an outlet, it's kind of like driving down the interstate highway with one foot stomp down on the accelerator and another foot pressed down on the gas, you might be slightly above the speed limit. I mean, on the brake, sorry, the accelerator and the brake, you may be going at the speed limit, but everything's wearing out prematurely because of all this inner tension. So I think it's really important for us to, uh, maintain our uh, emotions and, I think a law of the universe is that frustration is expectations divided by reality. So I think if we appreciate that when we honestly and sincerely look at our aging, it's not negative. There are a number of positives that if we look at the uh, changes of our body over the, over time, the broadening in depth of our intellect, the deepening of our emotions. If we're really honest with ourselves, as we age, we become more and not less. I think we need to celebrate that broadening of ourselves and not just focus on that little bit of physical aging where we can't run a 100-yard dash at 70 like we could when we were seven.
0: I wish I could have run it ever. But uh, yeah. This makes me think of well, a final question here. When I was uh-huh. young, people used to talk about older people being wise and having wisdom. And now yeah. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. in that category, and I I don't know where my what wisdom I have. And I look at some of our leaders. The president of the United States is my same age. I wonder how wise is this person. Lots of our senators are are older than I am. They're in their late mm-hmm. 70s and 80s. Do old people develop wisdom? Can we develop that? Is this what we contribute? Is this a property that we have? Yes, I, I think
1: that while wisdom can be a property of older people, in other words, we don't generally think of wisdom being an attribute of a teenager, although some people may be mature beyond their years. I would also quickly say that just because a person is old does not mean that they're wise. And I think that in many ways, uh, wisdom is the ability to appreciate the truth in the light of the moment. And I believe that really when we think about aging in our society, old people may not be a social luxury. They may end up being a cultural necessity because as we, have the power now to split atoms, to tinker with our DNA, to uh, develop cyberspace and virtual realities of all kinds, I think we may need the stability of wise and thoughtful voices in our society. So, again, that's why I say that, that the aging of our society may not be a social luxury but a cultural necessity. We need those wise voices to inform our debate. And fortunately now we're seeing intergenerational voices in those uh, discussions. And I really believe that that's critically important because I, I believe it was Margaret Mead who said that old people can teach young people that it's okay to grow old. And Young people can teach old people that it's okay to die. So we need those intergenerational lessons in order to maintain the fabric of our societies and not to exclude people just because they're old.
0: You make me wonder. uh, There's so much change happening now. I hear the point about intergenerational learning, and I see these uh, high school students in Florida uh, speaking about controlling violence. And maybe you had that in yes. mind when you said that. I did. Uh,
1: I'm, I am hopeful that our society will change with and because of intergenerational uh, communication. But I do think that we need to have wise old voices coupled with the youthful enthusiasm in order for us to age well as a society.
0: So on a lighter note, how long will it be before technology creates the means for us to live indefinitely?
1: Well, you know, there are a number of important statistics about aging, and there's one that I think is critical, and that statistic is the death rate. The death rate in this country is one per person. It's remained remarkably constant for millennia. So I think that the fact that we die... Is what gives meaning to the precious time that we have. And ultimately, it means that the nature of our journey becomes more important than its length. And again, the key is we have control over the nature of our own aging journey. So we should take advantage of our aging and put our lives to the full use that we can.
0: Dr. Mark E. Williams. Professor Emeritus. That's what that means, Emeritus. That means that you are one of those wise men.
1: And I was the Ward K. Ensminger Distinguished Professor of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Virginia, Emeritus.
0: Awesome. Dr. Williams, thanks for taking your valuable time this afternoon in joining us on cable.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: here's part of our conversation with Martin Dodge, an older guy here at CABU who's known as a bon vivant and savant. Martin is a a longtime resident of Portland and a man, I would say, in his his early 70s.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) No. Try late 70s. (laughs) He's in his
0: late 70s. So I think he has some street creds as far as being able to talk about the subject of uh, what it's like to retire or be retired and age gracefully, or not so gracefully, here in Portland. Martin came to the studio today by public transportation. He gets all around, all over town. He goes to a lot of arts events. He's very active here at Kebu. He's down with the times. So uh-huh. uh, we see him as uh, somebody we would like to know. What's his take on aging in Portland? Martin, welcome to program
2: oh thank you well let me let me correct one impression right away uh, i just um, I just turned in January. however, I have had blood sugar problems probably all my life they first became noticeable in my teen years and eventually turned into diabetes and i 'm told that diabetes adds ten years to your to your life so i 'm effectively eighty nine <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it doesn't add 10 years to your longevity. No, it adds no. 10 years to your life. Right. So, 79 going on 90. Yep. <laughs> All right. You look okay. I mean, you did have a nice piece of cheesecake there when we before yeah. we got started.
2: Well, it is better to look good than to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in Portland. Uh, tell us how long, Martin. Well, this time around, I've been here for eight years. I also... Lived here in the early '80s, so that's where I got my first impression of, of uh, Portland. And what also and, and that also led me to coming back here uh, in the uh, early aughts, because um, it, at that time is, it was probably my favorite town in, in the USA.:
0: Where did you move from? Uh,
2: at that time, I was living in Texas. Uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Before that, I lived in Austin, Texas, and Austin being my second second favorite town in the country, but uh, I, I opted for Portland because this place has got a lot of stuff that recommends it.
0: What was your work that you could move around like that?
2: Well, I was a technical writer, which meant I had to move around like that. I'd get contract jobs, and they'd end, fizzle out, and there'd be no no more jobs in the area. Where I've lived in the country, I was born in Philadelphia, moved to Los Angeles, and then moved to various places, including Syracuse, Northern Virginia, Dayton, Ohio, uh, Seattle, and Austin, Texas. You
0: liked uh, Portland when you moved here. Do you still like it?
2: Yeah, there's some things I don't like about it, but um, by and large, I I really like the place.
0: What's it like being an old guy, if you don't mind another old guy calling you yeah.
2: that? Um, no, I don't mind. It's um, It has its advantages and its disadvantages. Although I, I use the public transportation, I still drive a bit. But I'm faz- fading out on that because I know that I'm not as good a driver as I was years ago. And it's also expensive. The insurance for old people here is high, tremendously high. And I don't need that. So... I'll be using the public transit system more. It's a very good system in Portland, much better than a lot of other cities, but it still leaves a lot to be desired. It's it's still hard to get a, a bus after 7 p.m. at night and impossible after midnight, so you don't have much of a nightlife here. Aside from that, the, the system is, is very good. It goes all over town, and it's cheap. For a senior citizen, it's a, a buck and a quarter, which is good for two hours. Change to any bus you want. It's covered under that buck and a quarter. And we get some very good shows. And that's another benefit here. If you're poor like me and you have a card that says you're on food stamps, you can get into a, a lot of events here for five bucks, including the dance. There's about four, four or five playhouses you can get into, concert halls, no movies. But well, we do have
0: there. a couple of $5 movies at the Laurel Laurelhurst yep. and the Hollywood Theater. Yeah. very good prices for
2: seniors. And if you're out in the suburbs, you can go to the Joy Theater in Tiger for $1 on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless it's in 3D, then it's $2.
0: <laughs> in the next episode, We pay a visit to the Hollywood Senior Center on 40th in Northeast. There's a wealth of activity over there, including a class on how to make musical sounds with a ukulele. Don't miss it. And here's a quote from someone you know. I look forward to growing older when what you look like becomes less and less an issue and what you are is the point. That's from Susan Sarandon. You've been listening to our series on Aging in Portland, Retired or Rewired. You can listen to any episode in this series or the entire series if you go to kboo.fm and look for the show under my name, Tom Flynn. Thanks for joining us today.